Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the Vason Nordic Horror Role-Playing Rules by Free League Publishing. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Strong language, mature scenes, and Thursday's children are on the way. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Old Ways Podcast. Tonight we'll be playing The Friend, The Fiend, and The Shadow of the Night, a mystery by David Wartman for the Nordic horror role-playing game Vesen from Freya Ligen. We'll be meeting our players and their characters in a few moments, but before we do, here is a little background for those of you who may not be familiar with Vesen. In the latter half of the 19th century, industrialization swept across Europe. Towns and cities grew, and as they did, the old beliefs and traditions started to disappear, replaced by modern ways of thinking. Where once people lived in concord with the supernatural vesen of the countryside, now they shun or ignore them. As the old customs fall away, these invisible creatures have grown angry and have begun to turn against the people of Scandinavia. Many have become unpredictable and in some cases violent and aggressive. Most of the inhabitants of the country are unaware of these invisible creatures all around them, but a very few have been gifted, some might say cursed, with what is known as the sight. They are able to see Vesen, even when they do not wish to be seen, and are known as Thursday's children. In years gone by, these individuals banded together to form a group known as the Society for Studies of the Invisibles and Protection of Mankind, and made their headquarters in an ancient castle on the banks of the River Fris in Uppsala, some 70 kilometers north of Sweden's capital, Stockholm. But over a decade ago, though, the society disbanded. Nobody is quite sure why, and it has not been active since. Castle Gillenkreutz has fallen into disrepair and decay. Until now, our Thursday's children have gathered in Uppsala, and with the aid of a former society member have moved into the castle and begun the arduous task of rebuilding it, of re-establishing the society, of studying Vesen in order to understand them and protect people from those of them that would do them harm. Let's meet them, shall we? To my right. Hi, this is Mike, and I will be playing Father Eric Sorensen. Tell us a little bit about Father Sorensen, if you would. Uh, Father Sorensen is, as his title suggests, a priest, and his upbringing is a rather traumatic one. Uh, Started in a a bit of a rebellious streak as a child who very unfortunately lost his parents at an early age. Through uh, several different ways, uh, he came to learn of uh, the street life working with uh, a small group of urchins and um, eventually shed his um, rather rebellious friends in exchange for uh, a more pious path, a more reserved and philosophical one. But it didn't come free of charge. That's a story for another time, though. Thank you, Father Sorensen. And to the Father's right... Hi, this is Miranda, and I'll be playing Marta Osterberg, the servant archetype of the group. Let's uh, find out a little bit about uh, Marta. What kind of a person is she? 
I think Marta is probably a net good person, uh, but we all have good and bad in our past, right? My first employer, I I lost. I cared about them deeply, but they drowned in a pond, unfortunately. And uh, my most uh, at my current employment, uh, where I'm a valet, I also received that job through a strange accident where the previous valet fell and tragically died. It's very unfortunate. That is a tragic story indeed. And at the head of the table. Hi, I'm John. I'll be playing Sven Anderson, a hunter from the country who has a long time association with the Vason, uh, for better and for worse. Thank you. Any, any, get a share any further details about uh, Mr. Anderson? <laughs> so, yeah, Sven Anderson was, uh, he grew up in the countryside and he, his is a life of mixed fortunes. He grew up in a small village and uh, watched his friend turn into an old man in his arms after stepping through a fairy ring. So, you know, not not the best re- starting relationship with the Vason. He's pretty sure it was the fairies doing because he saw them there and they laughed, which was not a kind thing to do to an 11-year-old boy. And uh, he's had some experience with hunting Vason since. But now that he's joined the society, he ha- he now understands that it's better to seek to uh, coexist rather than to hunt. Thank you very much indeed. And last, but not least. Hi, I'm Nate. I'm playing Nicol Doppler, private investigator, seeker of lost things. Nicol, I must take umbrage with, is described as old as uh, he's reached the ripe age of 52. It feels a little bit unfair, but such as it is a police detective in his past and grew up in the police force in Strasbourg, and he gained his nickname as the finder of lost things. He was put on uh, randomly at first, but then with quite a bit more intention, missing children's cases and kidnappings or runaways and things like that. He found the work a little bit too stressful and too damaging over time. Moved away from that into private police investigation work as a consultant. Finds himself in the society after another, let's say, uh, another break after uh, a little bit of a traumatic case left him needing some time away from the official investigative duties. Uh, we'll see if his time in the society is a little bit more restful and peaceful for Mr. Nickel. Thank you. Let's hope it is. I'm sure um, it'll be a a very quiet and pleasant autumn moving into winter here in Uppsala. For our mystery begins in the vast crumbling ruin that is Castle Gillenkreutz, sitting to the north of the city in October of 1865. Each of you has your own reasons for having spent the last night at the rooms that have been set aside for you at the castle for your use as and when you should need them. Perhaps it's because of the dreams that you've been having. The first of these came just under three weeks ago, during the night of Friday the 13th of October. In your dream, it is the dead of night, and you are in an old overgrown cemetery, There's a flash of lightning, 
and you can hear thunder rumbling in the distance. A storm is coming. Three men can be seen through the darkness, digging in an old grave. They look nervous, as if they do not wish to be here. The clothes that they're wearing are of an unusual style, and they, when they speak, it's a language that you don't understand. Time passes, and the rain falls as they reach their goal and begin to drag a coffin out of the hole they have dug. As they prise open the lid, you can see that there is a pale-faced old woman resting peacefully inside, as if she had just fallen asleep. The men make the sign of the cross, and one mumbles a short prayer before they lift the body out and start carrying it out of the graveyard and down a path through some woods. More time passes, and they arrive at a small clearing. Leaning the body against a gnarled ancient tree, they unsheath hunting knives, and with a nervous glance at one another, raise them in the air with shaking hands. Suddenly, the woman's eyes snap open. They are glowing blood red. She opens her mouth wide. There is a horrifying, high-pitched scream, and your dream ends as the men plunge their knives into her. When you wake, you remember little of your dream. It fades like smoke in the wind. And after a few minutes, all you can recall is that there was something unsettling about it. There was a storm, there was darkness. Not long afterwards, though, just uh, 11 days later, on the night of the 24th, you have another dream. It's later the same night in your dream, and you're still in the clearing where the men have built a large fire. The woman's body is lying by the tree. An unnatural amount of blood soaks into the earth all around, steam rising from it through the rain. Above, a cauldron of bats circles in the air as the men cut into the body and pull out the internal organs, heart, liver, kidneys, and intestines. Slicing these up, they place them onto four flat stones arranged around the fire. They push the stones into the hot embers, and soon the entrails start to sizzle, cook, and burn. Time passes as they sit covered in blood, watching the viscera burn down until there is nothing left but ash. As thin slivers of light begin to appear in the east, the men carefully scoop up the four piles of ash and place it into four sealed jars. One of the men takes a hatchet from his pack and with a swift and sure strike removes the head from the desecrated body of the old woman. He places the head in a bag and picking it up along with the body and the jars, they walk back to the graveyard. Once there, they throw the body back into its coffin and one man retrieves a long iron nail and a hammer from his pack. As a rooster crows in the distance, he hammers the nail through the woman's head fixing it to the base of the coffin, face downwards. Nailing the lid back, they lower the coffin down into the grave, cover it with dirt, and with grim determination on their faces, they leave the graveyard. You awake once more, again unsettled and disturbed by this vivid dream that you've tried to grasp and recall the events, but they fade quickly but you're still left with this nagging feeling that something's not right. Something is amiss. And last night, the night 
of the 30th of October. You dream again. This time you're in the kitchen of a small cottage. You can hear the sounds of children crying and screaming coming through from a back room, along with women's voices that are trying to soothe them. The front door opens, and three men come in. The three men that you have seen in your other dreams, you recognize them. They place the four jars on the counter, and one of them puts on a pan of milk onto the stove to warm. There's a sudden commotion in the back room, and it takes their attention. They head through the door. Moments later, another door opens slowly, and a small girl hesitantly comes into the kitchen. She picks up one of the jars and shakes it curiously. Opening the lid, she sniffs at the content, wrinkling her nose at the smell. A cry from the back room startles her, and she knocks the jar over, spilling ash out of it and onto the floor. In a panic, she quickly sweeps up what she can, along with dust and cold ashes from the hearth, puts it in the jar, replaces the lid, and runs back out, just as one of the three men returns. He takes warm milk from the stove, carefully pours it into the jar, mixing it with the ashes they contain. You follow him as he heads back into the bedroom, where four children lie, young children, ages maybe between about four and seven, you think? They're struggling and they're crying on their wooden beds. The men pour the mixture of ash and milk from the jars into their mouths, forcing them to drink as two women help hold them down. Slowly, one by one, the children stop struggling and fall into a peaceful slumber. With a look of desperate hope towards one another, the adults leave the room, taking the lantern and closing the door as they go. All is calm. In the darkness, one of the children stirs. It's the one who was given the jar that the little girl knocked over. Suddenly, he sits bolt upright, his eyes wide open and burning with red fire. You awake with a start in your bed in Castle Gillenkreutz. It is Tuesday, the 31st of October, 1865, and you can just hear the last crow of the rooster outside fading in the morning sky. As you wake, you hear a bell ringing downstairs, the front doorbell, you think, of the castle, and the footsteps of who you can only assume is your faithful retainer, Major Domo of the castle, Algot Frisk, opening the front door and receiving a letter, a letter from a messenger for the society. What's everybody doing as they... Uh, as they they, uh, they wake. They, this morning you can re remember the full content of your dream. And in fact, you find you can remember all three dreams a lot more clearly than you could before. I'm going to probably struggle to get um, something on other than night clothes, given that there's um, some commotion or uh, work here uh, that's going on downstairs. And after that, I'm straight away to the journal, writing things down that my... Uh, my brain is beginning to remember and just make a shorthand list of the dream from last night, the one from the 24th and then the, uh, the previous one. Okay. What about everyone else? Yeah. Sven's going to get up and he's going to, uh, just do his ablutions, wash himself, wash his face, wash his chest, wash his, wash under his arms, thinking about the dream, but trying not to, it seems kind of familiar in terms of what it could mean long-term or what it could have been. 
he's hoping it happened a long time ago and that whatever that noise downstairs is has nothing to do with this because nothing good comes from when they're children. Purely coincidental. I'm sure that's just just normal. It's it's just a bill that we can't afford to pay. There's far too many of those come to the castle. <laughs> what about Marta and Nicole? Marta would try to make herself as presentable as she can for the day. Imagining that she didn't get a very good night's sleep, she would be trying her best to make it seem like that was uh, not the case. So dressing professionally, and also since I have makeup in my equipment, (laughs) utilizing that to make myself um, just appear as uh, put together and not um, tired or uh, bothered by restless sleep as I can. Nicole, when you wake, how do you feel about the dream you've had? Nicole's in bed, eyes open, but he doesn't get out for a second, his head just resting on the pillow for a bit. Eyes to the left, right as he thinks about the dream, considers maybe it was just a dream made up of fragments of memories, and but then starts putting together things in the dream that are not memories or recollections or familiar at all. So, Much like the father, gets up, uh, finds his journal, starts writing down in his shorthand all the details he can remember. Unlike the father making no no changing of clothes, no, no washing up, nothing. Um, so it's straight out of bed in the nightshirt, straight to the desk, um, and begins trying to put together everything that might seem pertinent. And I think the uh, noise and the ringing bells and such sort of ignores. He's very focused on this task. So you all have um, rooms in this castle, which is large and has many corridors, many levels. Whereabouts do you all make your rooms? Do any of you uh, find a room that's uh, fairly close to the main body of the castle, the, the kitchens, the library, the uh, the parlour? Or do any of you um, have rooms further into the depths, further down, a little bit more remote? Marta would probably try to be centrally located just to be able to hear the comings and goings and hallway conversations of others. Okay. What about everyone else? Yeah, I think probably for similar reasons, although not the same context, I think Father Sorensen would want to be likely close to the people. Um, the people who would interact and pe- the people who would move throughout the main portion of the building because he wants to be able to hear the words unspoken, the way people act, uh, because it's the only way to connect with them. Nickel has an east-facing window, of course. It was his first and primary thought, and then close to the library. Likes to pad up and down the stairs and uh, check out a book. Not check out, but take a look at a book, maybe return it, maybe not. Starting to gather up quite a little collection in the room of, of things that he's brought back. Where's Sven's rooms? Sven uh, sleeps next to the servant quarters. So he actually was woken up. Well, he woke up by the, by the nightmare, but he heard Algot going off to answer the door. And judging by the sound, he hasn't come to me. So that's good. I think it'll be Marta that... Uh as she's um, waking up a few few minutes later, once maybe she, once she's putting on her makeup, she hears footsteps coming down the corridor uh, towards the room. Footsteps she recognises uh, because it's the 
slow and measured pace of uh, Algot Frisk, who seems to only be heard coming when he wants to be heard. The number of times he appears at a member of the society's elbow, holding the very thing that they knew they wanted, even before they knew they wanted it, uh, seems to be uh, quite unnerving. He has a kind of a sixth sense, very efficient at his job. He's been with the castle for a long time, but uh, he only recently um, made his appearance again there uh, in order to uh, lend his assistance. You have a feeling that uh, Mr. Frisk has, well, he has stories to tell if uh, only you knew what the right questions to ask were. And there's a gentle tap at your door. Oh, I'll answer the door already knowing who it is. Oh, Miss Osterberger, there is a letter arrived for you. Oh, that seems strange. Well, for the society, I thought that uh, it would be most appropriate for you to uh, uh, receive it and present it to the others. Oh, of course, thank you. I'll take the letter. And he will hand you the letter. Do you want to read it out loud or do you want to wait till you've gathered the others and read, read it out loud to them? I mean, I read it to myself first before I read it to everyone else. I go back and forth in my head about it, but then I decide. All right, then, Miranda, would uh, would you like to read the, uh, the letter that you received, please? Members of the Society, it is of great importance that you come to our aid at once. There is some evil at work in the city, which only you can stop. You might have read in the Uppsala Postin about the terrible murders that have been committed in our district over the last few weeks. The police are doing nothing, and we honest, law-abiding townsfolk don't feel safe on the streets anymore. Only this morning, a fourth body was discovered. They say she was killed in the same way as the others, pale as a birch tree and not a single drop of blood in her body. The police and the migrant workers' union are having a confrontation in the market square even now. Please come at once to the Vaxala Torg and help prevent even more bloodshed. Pleading for your help and support, a concerned citizen. So how does uh, Marta react to this? I would say um, with restrained concern. She isn't going to get get too bothered by it, um, and but she is interested to see the reactions of everyone else. It, it, she's feeling inquisitive. Okie dokie. So uh, are you going to go and uh, rouse the others and bring this to their attention? Uh, yes, I will. Okay, so who do you who do you go to first? Oh, probably Sven. All right, Sven. There's a knock at your door. Sven has just finished putting on his. <laughs> I guess it's meant to be white, but it's not the newest shirt in the world, and it's been hand washed a lot, so it's. I mean, some of the dirt doesn't come out. But yeah, he's got his <laughs> trousers and shirt, and uh, answers the door. He looks fresh faced, and uh, yes. Uh, Ah, good morning, Martha. Good good morning, Sven. We received a, a letter from the society. I was hoping that we could get everyone together and then read it. And Martin will, Marta will hold the letter up, and it's clearly already been open. Ah, good. So not another uh, not another mail scam. Excellent. Well, let's get them together in the library or something, and they can do whatever it is they do. Either, by the way, has Nickel been getting any work? He owes me money, and I... If I'm honest, you know, it's not I'm not stuck, but it's the principle. Uh oh, I I don't know. I don't uh, 
I don't ask a lot about Nickel's uh, personal life these days. Um, you should ask. You should. Uh, you should go ask him, and I'll go get the father. <laughs> he just nods. He's like, "Okay, yeah." He's a couple of rooms off from the library. I'll I'll get him. All right. So let's uh, let's move over then to Nickel's uh, room, and there's a knock at your door. It is not a gentle rap. I know that knock. Nickel, where is my money? Oh God! Again, again. I told you, Sven. I'm working on it. It's a new city for me. It's it's not easy. I I will have your money. Don't don't you worry. And door opens, and I'm just affixing a patch over my let's say my left eye. Um, but I give Sven just a little bit of a look of the of the, of the scar and the gash, and then I put it in glare with my with my right. I'm good for this money. I am good for my debts. You just have to give me time to position and settle myself. I will let you know of any work that I find, be it in a coal yard or a, well, a detective case. But speaking of, we have gotten a letter. There is a case afoot and, uh, well, you'll probably not make many money of it. It's a Vason case, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you'll find somebody in it who needs to find out his wife is cheating on him. Surprise! you bring a case to me that does not have money attached, Sven. Fine, fine. Collect some things. I will then turn around and then I will put my pants on and, and buckle them. And then I will turn back around and... Sven's been in the doorway the whole time, <laughs> just watching with his arms folded. Mm-hmm. And, and Nickel's been quite unconcerned and unbothered by all of that. Has Nickel mentioned or told the story to any of the others about how he came by that scar? You mean the scar on his left cheek and that reaches up into his eye. Mm, no, no, he is not. So, uh, two of you making your way towards the library then? Is that the plan? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, meanwhile, Marta, um, you're uh, standing at the uh, the door of uh, Father Sorensen after having knocked on it in whatever manner you feel appropriate. A light but confident knock is what I decided. Splendid. Probably just finishing up um, morning morning prayers and um, knowing that with the churn and movement of the house, that soon there would be such a rapping on my door. And I'll stand up um, and say, uh, come in. I will enter. F- Father Sorensen. Marta, good morning. Good morning. We've received a letter asking for our assistance. I was thinking that we could all get together in the library and discuss. Certainly. If someone is asking for assistance, we will respond. Give me but a moment and I'll be downstairs. Of course. And I'll turn to leave. All right. So we'll skip forward a few minutes to allow you all time to gather in the library. Algot Frisk has uh, provided uh, some coffee and uh, uh, some pastries for uh, for your breakfast. And um, he has made himself... Available to you, should you require him. You all remember vividly the dream you had last night. Have you mentioned the fact that you've been having these dreams to the others, any of you? As we're in the library, I would absolutely mention my dreams to to Nickel, because Sven is absolutely the type of person who tells you his dreams anyway, because he believes they are always relevant. This time they might actually be, but... He always believes they're going to be relevant. And so he wants your feedback on what, how you would interpret it. And uh, 
as such, nobody wants to be with him in the early hours when he is like, so yeah, in the dream, my mother, she became a shark. I'm not too sure what's up with that. Big breath as you, Nichols, thinking of an, yet another way to indicate I don't care, but politely, but Jesus, not another dream story, please. Yeah, so that's the obvious reaction to Nichols, last night I had a dream. Uh, but in this case, it is followed up by a fairly exacting retelling of the dream we all shared. Idiot, I'll grab your arm. You saw this You saw this dream too. That I, I saw this dream, Sven. I had the same dream, which is, which is quite concerning. The children, the milk, the ever yes, and the red eyes. They were so close to getting the cure right. But, uh, well, he just kind of like looks down. He's like, I fear there's dark work ahead of us, Nickel. As usual, as usual. Well, at least, uh, at least there is light. Yes? Ah, when priests appear. <laughs> we cannot, uh, drown ourselves in such concerns of darkness. Father, you heard, uh, what Sven was saying hmm. about the dream. You, you also, did you have this dream last night? Indeed. Oh, jeez. It would seem then that we all had this dream. You too, Marta. Frisk, a question. Uh, did you dream last night? Mr. Doppler, I do not, as a rule, dream, sir. Why am I not surprised? Hmm, okay. He forbids himself from it. <laughs> I do not allow myself the luxury of dreaming, sir. I, s I suppose, for clarity's sake, I know we have some varying ages here amongst the uh, society, um, but I want to make sure that folks understand I'm, tw I'm about 27. So I'm I'm much younger than some of you. Um, this is Marta's Marta's a young fifty-five. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So this letter, uh, may I? I would hand it to the father. For someone to come so openly, um, this is a pleading. It seems that people are already arguing as they write this. This was delivered this morning. Indeed, sir. Yes, uh, a, a young scruffy-looking fellow. <laughs> yes, of course. I know the type. I gave him a coin and sent him on his way. Scruffy-looking, frisk, no uniform, no marking, no... No, it was little more than a child. Nothing recognizable. Hmm. Father, when it says police and migrant workers are having a confrontation, let us... Let's not mince words. The police are desperate and they will be looking for scapegoats. The migrant workers will provide them. Which is why we must make haste. So, a little background around that. You will all know of the uh, Vaxala Torg, which is uh, a square just to the northeast of the station uh, in Uppsala. If you'd like to learn a little bit more, or see, we'll see what, uh, what more you know about the area and the, uh, the migrant population there, you can make me a learning test. Certainly. Uh, two. Two sixes. Blended. If anybody else wants to make a, a learning test, they can. One. I did, but I got no successes. So I think that's important. Okay, yeah. So um, you've maybe heard of the uh, Vaxalatorg, but um, you don't really know much about the area at all. What about Marta? Marta also got one. Okay, yeah. So... Those of you that got one success, you know that uh, this area to the east of the, the station in Uppsala is uh, currently in the process of being uh, expanded 
there is building work going on there, and there's a lot of the migrant population live out in that area. However, very few of them actually have houses to live in. There is a, a settlement just on the outskirts of the city, which is uh, composed of um, little shacks and tents. It's a kind of a shanty town, really, out there. Uh, and that's where a lot of uh, people who've come looking for work from uh, Germany, from um, the uh, Eastern European countries, uh, Poland, um, Bulgaria, uh, Russia, uh, they make their home there. They are underpaid. They are predominantly undernourished. Um, conditions there are very poor. There's no running water out there, so they have to uh, ferry water in buckets back and forth um, from the river. The streets are not clean. There's no sewage system there. Those of you who know anything about the, the square and that, that area will know that there is uh, a lot of uh, poverty and people living in, in very, very poor conditions. And they work hard. These migrant workers, they come to the city and they are taken on for uh, all manner of, of uh, menial jobs as, uh, as well as um, the process of, uh, of building these, these new houses, um, and the, the new buildings that are getting constructed. But they are severely underpaid and they are used and abused by the more wealthy uh, factory owners, business owners, who treat them as little more than... Um, very, very low-ranking servants. They're like the, uh, um, the, the, um, the untouchables. And of course, the uh, police force in the city, they answer to the, uh, the councillors, the, they answer to the more uh, high-ranking members of, the, of society in the city, and they do not treat these people with any respect at all. And what's worse is that in recent times, these people have tried to unionize themselves. They have tried to stand up for their rights, to demand better pay, better living conditions, just some respect, really. And that has caused a lot of friction between them and the, the more long-standing inhabitants of, uh, of the city. Uh, a lot of them consider them to be a menace to the city. They look at the amount of crime in the area as well, and they say that these people bring it with them. There, uh, there, there are frequent clashes between um, union members and their followers as well with the police forces. So the kind of thing that's being written about in this letter is only going to cause further friction, because as you quite rightly say, scapegoats will be sought out. In terms of this death and the previous evening. Father Sorensen, you're also aware that this is not the first of these deaths. This is, in fact, as far as you can remember, four previous deaths. The first of these deaths that you're aware of was um, around uh, halfway through the month. The second one was a couple of weeks later, a week, or a week and a half or so later, uh, and the third one was just a few nights um, before last night. But then murders happen. There is a lot of crime, and especially in this area, people go missing all the time. People die. In... It's never really dealt with by the police. They don't really pay, take much of an interest. They, they tend to let the people police themselves because it's too much, too much effort, too much hard work for very little reward. I uh, probably stand up from the chair that I sat down to read the letter in and said, say something to the effect of, when you take people such as these and you place them in an area and 
you refuse them the city's support from law-abiding officers, the very laws that we are, the rest of us have agreed to, and then treat them in such a way, such as these factory owners do. There can be no surprise as to why there are murders. There can be no surprise as to why these areas are considered dangerous by the populace. But, be that as it may, we're being asked to solve a mystery. That is what we shall do. So gather what you need. We must go to this Torg. You'll all know as well that the, uh, the Torg is uh, it's quite a busy square. That's where most of the merchants are. There's a variety of, uh, of stores around there of all different of all different types it's also a kind of a a meeting place for people as well yeah i'm not i'm not gonna waste any time i'm gonna head out from the space here back to my room to gather whatever i need whatever i would need for a proper investigation so any additional cossack or accoutrement or you know uh i was gonna ask real quick are we gonna do a preparation phase Yes, I think we can do that now, if you like. Yeah. So if everybody would like to roll, make me a resources roll. So say you have resources five, that would mean you roll 5d6. And let me know how many, if any, successes you get. One success. We no successes for Marta. No successes for Sven. How about uh, the father? That would be two. Two. Excellent. You're rolling well today, Michael. So you have, between you, three resources so there are a number of things you can get with three resources um depends on the items availability some of them have um are harder to get than others for instance a a camera you would need three resources to get a camera which you have but there's quite a lot of other things have you decided what you're going to get with your uh... most most certainly the chemical equipment 100 percent so that's uh, chemical equipment is gives you a plus one to investigation to determine cause of death. And that's not a, just a single use. You'll be able to use that throughout. And that would be two of your resources. So you have one resource left to get something else with. An errand boy, right? Is that what we decided? This is a simple provisions. I assume it's just food, etc. But in a going into a space where people are likely going to be hungry... Might not be a bad idea. I would give you a, a, a bonus to manipulation if you were giving food to a hungry person. That, that's where my that's where my, my vote goes for the last point. Sounds like a reasonable thing to do. Okay, so um, you are going to get yourself some um, food to use as bribery for the poor and impoverished, and uh, chemical analysis, a, a forensics kit, basically. Would any of you like to uh, do anything uh, to? provide yourselves with an advantage during the uh, during the mystery I would like to perform my morning routine which is several jumping jacks like a hundred and a push up one push up several <laughs> is a hundred it's a bunch it's a bunch of jumping jacks and one push up that's all I need that's my upper body done and I am ready for the day I'll, Mike I'll just use this for like uh, an athletics or agility check later on excellent so yep you can have a plus two to a single Roll later on in the game. What about anyone else? Um, yeah, I think that before I go, obviously, beyond morning prayers, I'm going to likely look in back into the um, the worn leather pages of this uh, old Bible that I have, and I will turn to Psalm 34, 6, uh, where the Lord 
hears the poor and helps save him from his troubles. Okay. Um, and what, you, what skill are you going to apply that to to give you a bonus? I'm going to apply it to inspiration. Okay. A very fine skill for a priest to have. What about Marta and uh, Nickel? Knowing where we're going and the people that we'll be interacting with, can Marta un like make herself look more tired again now? <laughs> I want to I want to de put myself together so that I'm more relatable. You can certainly use your use your uh, skill with uh, the application of your makeup to uh, to blend in with uh, with the, the people who live in that area, of course. And are you going to use that as a bonus to um, manipulation, perhaps? Or? Yes, yeah. And Nickel will hit the books. This is all very good and interesting, but we have to remember we had a shared dream experience that is also very interesting. So, um, and he'll do as much research as possible in Gillenkreutz Library for... Um, Shared dreams and also red eyes and, and, and bleeding and milk. I think it's 30 years since uh, until Bram does his documentary series. So Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So are you, are you wanting to actually do some research or are you wanting to um, gain an advantage at this point? I'm looking to do get an advantage either on investigation or learning. I guess it's probably investigation, wouldn't it be? In the future. Okay, so uh, yeah, you can go and uh, leaf through any um, uh, reference works that uh, you can find and uh, see if you can um, come up with anything that uh, may bear some relevance to... Uh, is it something relevant to the dreams you've been having, that kind of thing? Is, uh, or to the description of the murder? Or I think uh, you can you can find... There's not an awful lot about um, this kind of thing. Certainly you don't find anything to do with um, what, you, what you dreamed about, the... Uh, the ashes and milk mixture, that doesn't mean anything to you at all, and uh, it's not something that you can find. But you do know that uh, different parts of the world, they've, they've got different uh, superstitions, they've got uh, different beliefs, so it's entirely possible that it's just something that hasn't been recorded in the annals of the society. And um, there are there are potentially some um, myths and legends uh, about um, creatures that, uh, that murder people in this manner but uh, nothing nothing particularly concrete but uh, uh, it will certainly stand you in good stead for uh, for for some some later um anything you might encounter later on in the mystery so now that you've spent a little bit of time um it's now kind of mid-morning by the time you've gathered up uh, the equipment that you want to bring with you and uh, done your 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 daily routines and um, uh, gained your advantages what is your plan as i say you know that the Vaxala Torg is about about twenty minute walk or so east to the east of the uh, the city. Yeah, leave the castle and make our way to um, X marks the spot. Okay, um, as you uh, as you approach the square, you can see that um, it's still relatively early in the in the morning. Although there are uh, you know a number of businesses um, that uh, are getting ready to open for the day, but there does seem to be something of a crowd in the square maybe around a hundred people or so and um you can tell that uh just to the 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 north of the square it's kind of more northeast of the square there is uh, they look like there's um the uh, 
some three or four police officers just at the end of a street that leads uh, away from the square. Um, and there's a, a fairly large group of people, but at the head of them, there's a number of men that are, um, uh, there are raised voices between them and the police. It appears to be the police are trying to hold them back, as far as what you can tell. Spike, can I grab my binoculars, take a look at the crowd, see if I can figure out who the players are, who's in charge, who's the right side on the police to approach to try and de-escalate. Absolutely. Um, yeah, why don't you make me a vigilance test to be able to kind of identify um, who would be the, the, the leading voices on, on both sides? And do I get a bonus with the binoculars or is that straight vigilance? The binoculars, I believe, give you a bonus, yes. And with nine dice, I only get one success. Well, I guess I get one success, which is in a free league game, that's a, a grand success. Yeah, um, so that, that's enough to be able to tell that uh, on the uh, on the side of um, what looks like a, a bunch of workers from, from the way they're dressed, there's a, a fairly heavy set man um, who appears to be the, um, the, the kind of the most vocal of them, and uh, he's he's um, making some demands. You can't quite make out exactly what they're, they're saying, but um, you can you can get the gist of he seems to be making some demands of the the, the police that they uh, they allow them to to get through and do their business. And there's also uh, seems to be a, a, a certain amount of uh, why aren't you doing anything about this kind of um, from from the attitude of them. On the police's side, they're clearly trying to hold them back. They, um, they're they telling them to disperse. They're, they're doing the classic, there's nothing to see here. In fact, um, as, you're, as you're looking at them, you think you recognize one of these uh, police officers. In a good way or a bad way? Mm, from your perspective, probably not in a particularly good way. Yeah, I'll point all this out. And looks like we have two, two possibilities here to calm down the crowd and also make sure the police don't get too mm, aggravated, anxious, vigorous in their duty. That seems reasonable. Let's see what the matter is. Happily walk over. Okay, okay. So yeah, you, you you make your way through the crowd, and uh, yeah, you can see there's a uh, there appear to be uh, four officers there. One of them um, is clearly a more senior ranking officer, uh, and he's having he's speaking to uh, this other man, and he's basically saying, "Keep back. You can get you can get through in a minute. We'll have to. We need to let the wagon through. Yes, 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 yes. Just stay out of the way. Let us do our work." And the other man is um, shouting back at him, saying, "You're not doing anything. You don't care. You never. You. You. you when? What about the others? Eh? When? When are we going to get uh, something done about this?" So when I approach, I want to be. I want to appear as if I'm in the middle. I don't want to approach on either side. Okay, you're going to have to basically squeeze through the crowd because uh, there's uh, quite a lot of them, um, and they are pretty much in each other's faces right at the end of the, the street. Okay. Then uh, I'll uh, pick up the volume on my voice and say, Gentlemen, is this absolutely necessary? And uh, faces faces turn towards you through the uh, through the crowd. And this this large man, this uh, the worker, just says, oh, Father, Father, you speak to speak to the police here. Tell them tell them to do something. There's a young woman is dead, and they're doing nothing. They're, they're just they're pushing us around, telling us what to do. I'd, I'd be happy to speak with them. I sort of. Just very gently pat him on the shoulder. Just give me some space and I'll speak with them. Why don't you make me a manipulation roll? Empathy and manipulation is pretty good for me. 
but just barely good enough. I have one success on all those days. One success is all you need. So the um, the man kind of says, thank you, thank you, Father. Maybe they'll listen to you. They don't listen to us. They don't care about us. And the, the, the policeman's saying, listen, this is a police matter. Mind your own business. Go, go about your day. Do the work you have to do. Leave it to us. Don't, don't get involved with, the, with this. This is for us to deal with. Father, Father, will you speak to them? Will you say something to them? Tell them that we have to investigate this. This is our business, not theirs. Well, let's be clear on whose business it is. The Lord's here for both sides. This is a murder. This is a, a crime scene. These people uh, are, are, are giving us problems and they're getting in our way and we can't do our job. I give him a understanding nod. Of course, it's very difficult when anyone dies. There are questions abound from all over. These people are concerned that one of their own or someone has been murdered within the vicinity where they call home. They would be asking questions just would you if something were to happen similar. Yes, well, that's, that's all very well, Father, but they're, they're causing trouble and they're getting in the, in the way of official business. So what is the official business? The official business is that there is a young woman dead and we are trying to get the wagon through to bring her to the morgue. May I see the woman? I, 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 I suppose. Yes. Well, why not? Why not? What? I don't see what difference. If, if it'll, if it'll placate these people and, and allow us to do our, do our work, then yes. All right. Yes. Don't, don't, don't be long. Of course not. I turn back to the, um, the man, who's very upset, and say, uh, "Do you know her?" I don't know who it is. All we know is that her body's been found. We don't know who it is yet. Right. Do, 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 does anybody here know who it is? And, uh, and a, a voice pipes up um, in, in the background. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Milena, I think. I think it's Milena. Let me go and see. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a wake of sorts as I walk. What I want to do is create cover for the people who are behind me to be able to follow in after me. All right. Yeah. I mean, the, the people will, uh, anybody that's with you, the, uh, the crowd, um, of, uh, of those who live around here will, will let you, let you through. They're not going to stand in your way. When you get to the, the police, they'll say, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who are all you, you people? I said the father could go through. I don't know who you are. I raise an eyebrow. These are associates, important associates of mine and the society. And we're going to get to the bottom of this. Uh, Nicole, are you moving through with the others? Yeah. I am right behind the father, eager to okay. assist in his rights. You can see this officer. He's kind of eyeing you up. He's clearly noticed you, recognizes you. Uh, what about him? Hmm. Don't let him through. Gustav, you know I have skills, even though we may not be on the best terms. I'm here to assist the father. <sighs> Sir, I, 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 I don't think it's a good idea. We, we shouldn't let these these people through. He says, listen, I have agreed to let the father through. Father, if you could vouch for these people, then... But but please, don't don't take long. Though. We're going to be here in a moment. Without question. And uh, they will rather begrudgingly um, step aside and let you through. You get the feeling that it's merely your uh, your robes and your uh, 
your your innate sense of uh, of, of um, charisma and authority that is uh, allowing you uh, access to this crime scene. Mm. Well, we put on a spiffy robe today, so that helps, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you can all make your way, um, and a little bit down the street, there is a, a little side alley. And as you look down it, you will see that lying in a crumpled heap on the ground, several feet in, is uh, what appears to be the body of a young woman. All right. Um, so as I approach, I will. I would like to just get a, a view and look before getting too close. Um, say a, no more than a, a meter or so, just to get a look at the scene itself and how she lays. Yeah, it's it's a little unusual. She's lying on her back, just kind of as if she just had lain down to sleep. All right, step closer and um, in a, in accordance with with faith, ask God to give her peace now that she's left this earth you can do the last rites on her and uh and i I would step in and father um just be careful the crime scene as you do your and and nickel's going to start analyzing from a different point of view all right so uh anybody that is um taking a close look at the the body to attempt to determine things like cause of death or anything else like that out of it um, can make me a medicine roll. I've got one success off my four precision. Marta, by chance, did you do better? Uh, Marta did not do better. Marta did the same. Sven looks has a close look and has two successes. Okay. Um, one success is, is all you require for this particular test. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it, the way she's lying is, is, is unusual for a murder victim. There don't seem to be any signs of a struggle at all. There's no wounds on her um, hands or arms. Um, uh, there are no um, signs that uh, she's been physically uh, attacked as such. Her body is very, very pale, though. Her skin is pale, almost to the point of, of whiteness. And you can see that as you look on her neck, there are two what appear to be puncture wounds around a, a couple of inches or so apart on her neck, just right where um, there would be a, a major uh, artery. There's no blood around, though. Maybe a couple of drops, but no more than that. But um, anyone who got uh, more than one on their medicine can tell that the body has appears to have been completely exsanguinated. But there's and there's also some, a little bit something a little bit odd about her expression. She's smiling. She's got this kind of radiant smile on her cold, dead face, as if she was uh, welcoming someone with whom she had a, to whom she had a great affection, possibly even love. No sign of struggle. No sign of hands are not wounded. Nothing. Clothing is not torn. Clothing not torn, nothing under the fingernails or anything like that. If she tried to scratch her uh, assailant, so I've been looking at everybody's face in this crowd and being like, "That dream was too vivid." Are any of these people familiar? You scan the faces of them. As I say, there's you know maybe a, up to a hundred people here, but yeah, you don't see any faces that um, seem familiar in any way to you, other than anyone else you might already have come across in your day to day. Hers, 
Does she look familiar? She does not look familiar, no. Well, she's definitely giving us her happiest face, it seems. It's a little rare. I don't care for it. I, uh... Sven's gotten very quiet, and he's just... I don't... I don't care for this. I... It's not right. No one and nothing looks like that when they die. Except her now. Does anybody want to do anything else while you're there with the body? Is there any way to identify her more? Clothing suggest a profession or any identification, anything? Yeah, there's no identification on her. You did hear somebody mention a name out in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Elena. So, no, it's it's possible that um, somebody might know who it is out there. But uh, her clothing, it doesn't, it's, it's, uh, she's clearly a migrant worker here. Her clothing is simple. It is um, uh, patched in a few places as well. This is uh, not a not a young woman. She looks like she's maybe in her late teens. Not a young woman who uh, who had uh, any uh, amount of uh, funds, as it were. She's not a wealthy woman, that's for sure. So, with the body, and the exsanguination is something that Sven noticed. That has not been, I would imagine, mimicked back to the rest of us. We don't know that yet. Oh, no, I'd absolutely relay that. Anything I know, you guys will know, unless I specifically say otherwise. So I um, I do equate her form then with the dream, with the loss of blood, with the pale flesh from the old woman. And I think what I'd like to do is, if I may, is just out of the bag produce a very small spoon and a dram of the holy water that I have. And with that spoon, test the, the water against the, the puncture wounds. Yeah, you can, um, you can pour, uh, carefully pour a couple of drops of water against the, uh, the puncture wounds. There is no noticeable reaction. Then without um, there being a potentially religious reason or a, <laughs> some sort of reaction from the water, then we have our chemical kit to determine the cause of death as well and i'm wondering if uh, w- if potentially uh, enlightened science could also assist with uh, that sort of portion of the investigation potentially so your uh, your chemical kit will give you um uh, your chemical will, that will give you a a plus one on determining cause of death using investigation okay so i, I would suppose i would turn to nickel and say Perhaps there is a chemical within the case here that could cause some sort of reaction to give us more information. We are running out of time. Indeed, and we are all agreed that this this body uh, is, is... It is the dream. It is the same. We're agreed that this is not normal. Normal police investigative procedure would say the body was killed here, or killed elsewhere and moved here because of the lack of evidence, but also everything else. This is what we dreamed about shared. Well, most normal murders don't include removing all of the blood from a body either. And when they do, I have seen such things attempted. It is not this clean in any way, shape or form. Most unnatural. So just to just to give you a little uh, bit of an idea about the, the surroundings at the moment where you are, this is a narrow alleyway um, between two cobbled streets that lead from the uh, from the Torg out to the uh, northeastern 
uh, edge of the city, uh, which is where the the migrant people live, where they have a little bit further out, they have their their tents and their shacks. There's also um, a a welcome centre out there of of sorts. It's a very makeshift place that a lot of the uh, the the um, when people migrate and come into the city, that's uh, that's where they gather and that's where they find out what papers they need to, to fill in and that sort of thing in order to uh, to be allowed to uh, reside at the city. But it's a very, very impoverished area. Even even where you are just now is, is not uh, uh, not well off at all. Uh, the streets are pretty, pretty dirty. There's a um, there's you know, the, the, there is a, a, a smell. There is a certain aroma um, that is associated with this uh, area of the city, um, mostly due to the fact that there is uh, no sewage system. And, uh, you know, the, the, the streets are pretty mud- muddy and mucky, especially at this time of year. So I've got the chemical kit open, the case open, uh, bottles and things, brushes and such. I'm having a little bit of a difficult time because part of the uh, kit, uh, of course, tests blood for poisons and toxins. And it's just not a lot of it to gather, but uh, I'm, I'm doing my best. I've got my magnifying glass out as well. And I got three successes off of nine dice. Fantastic. So you can tell with that, that this woman has been drained of all blood or virtually all blood there's maybe a, a very slight amount left but certainly not enough to keep her alive hence the very pale complexion she uh, as i say clearly did not put up any kind of a fight at all there the blood was removed from her body through those holes in her neck they look like an animal bite maybe but but a very a very precise very neat very very clean. Whatever has done this has made those made those incisions in the neck, and then drawn the blood from the body through them. I'm going to be out of character for a second. So, John knows the word vampire. However, a Swedish hunter in the mid 19th century isn't going to. Probably not. Well, probably nobody really knows vampire. There has been very little of what we now associate uh, with uh, with. The, um, the common perception of, of a vampire, of you know, Count Dracula. Dracula has not been written yet, not for a number of years. There have been uh, a couple of uh, novels written um, around that idea of, uh, of a creature that drains blood from the living. Yeah, but the Slavic tradition wouldn't be known to me. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So basically, forget everything. Forget everything you, you you think you know about vampires. Other than you know, it is it is possible that in some cultures there are tales of creatures that drain the blood of the living, but uh, you don't know anything about stakes through the heart, running water, garlic, sunlight, any of that stuff. Yeah, I think this is all going to come under the uh, the umbrella of werewolf stuff because in Western European mythology, that's a pretty wide umbrella. Do I get a sense that she was murdered here too, as we're doing this? Well, I think with that, with that, three successes with investigation, you can have a little look around her as well. And what you notice is that you see footprints um, in in the kind of the the mud and the muck that's on uh, on the alleyway, and you can follow them down the alley to the the corner of the street, and you can see that they head towards the uh, the edge of the city where this uh, where, where these um, the migrant people live out towards that uh, some buildings are partly constructed some have maybe got a foundation made out there and there's a there's a lot of temporary um, housing there um, where they all live the uh, 
The footprints go out in that direction. Sven, get a look at this. She did not uh, walk out, so uh, perhaps this is important. So the footprints that you're seeing lead from the outskirts of the city to where the woman is standing. Or lying, I should say. So from from your perspective, it looks like she's come from the uh, that, that area, come down the street and turn down the the alleyway. But there's something else there. There's there's other footprints there as well. There's like larger footprints. But something doesn't quite add up about it because they're just around the area where the body is. They don't come from anywhere and they don't go anywhere. That is quite odd. I look up. Balconies, rooftops, dangling ropes. There's yeah, the um there's there's not any dangling ropes that you can see. The um the the, the walls of the, the houses on either side of this is fairly fairly narrow alley. Um there's some windows further up and uh, a few, you know, two or three stories up there's uh, there's rooftops. I mean anyone I suppose could have climbed down the side of the the building and then jumped into the middle of the alleyway and then taken a few steps around and then jumped back to the side of the building and climbed up again but it seems slightly unusual behavior i'm going to finish what i need to do with her body from a religious standpoint i know the cart is coming and i know that from well from past experiences as these investigations move we're likely to move on from this area and continue in interviewing people and trying to get a sense of, of what happened. So I want to be sure that when the cart comes and we eventually get <laughs> the toss by the local constabulary, I want to make sure that um, myself and more importantly, God is set with what has been done with, with her. Why doesn't everybody make me a vigilance test? Big fat zero. I have one. And Sven has one. And Marta has one. So... Everybody except Nickel. I'm busy putting bottles back into a case. Yes, you're, you're, you're uh, um, maybe you're uh, kind of scratching your head about uh, about these these footprints, uh, as well as packing up your kit as well. But the rest of you, you hear there's a little bit of noise from uh, from the square, and you reckon you can hear the sound of um, uh, horses' hoofs, uh, shod horse uh, on the on the cobbles which uh, would almost certainly signal the arrival of the uh, the wagon to take the woman's body away. But um, as you glance around, you notice something else. Just from further down the alley, there is uh, there's what looked like some disused buildings um, at the end of this alley onto the next street. You see movement, and you think there's somebody there who uh, appears to be watching you. Somebody small. As you turn and look, they kind of disappear from view. There we are. The hunt begins. As he's saying that, Sven is off like a shot. He's like, there's no time to confirm with the team. I'm just going to go grab this kid. It's the mid-19th century, so I can literally just pick this child up and take them wherever I want if I care to. All right, yeah. So um, you hair down the, the alleyway, and sure enough, there's um, uh, a rather uh, battered um, and worn door that's uh, sitting slightly ajar. And uh, you can push it open, and uh, there's yeah, there's this 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 disused, dusty building that uh, that you go into. It's maybe um, some sort of a, a store storehouse or something like that. I'm looking for footprints in the dust. Yeah, um, 
you can you can see that there are definitely footprints in the dust, and they seem to lead up to there's a set of uh, a set of ric- set of rickety stairs um, that lead up to another level um, in this building. Yeah, that's why I'm gonna walk slow and try and like not testing the boards, but you know, being ready to <laughs> quickly withdraw a step as I go up the stairs. And Sven's gonna call out, "Not here to hurt you. I just uh, just want to talk." What's everybody else doing while uh, Sven runs up the street? You can now see the horses kind of coming around the, the corner of the uh, street. The, the, the police officers are making sure it gets through. This is in opposite direction to the the footsteps that I had noted. Hmm. Yeah, it's just off out of the alley. Yeah. I'd probably look at Nickel and say, collect any last minute things we need. I'm going to um, turn towards the cart and the horse. And um, I guess begin not so much a pantomime but um any last minute physical movements that would be could be construed as um rights being finally you know issued and done in an attempt anyway to perhaps slow the driver as he might not want to interrupt such a religious uh experience i'm trying to give cover to the rest of my uh society mates in case they want to collect any last bits Sure. Let me have a see now. Why don't you make me um, a manipulation test in order to be able to uh, prevent this man from doing his job? I'm also fairly good at manipulation, oddly enough. Okay, uh, good is a relative term. Um, so uh, on seven dice, I have one success. One success is enough. Usually for um, for trying to achieve something that's fairly straightforward, a single success is plenty. Uh, so this uh, this this man kind of doffs his cap and uh, is that father I don't mean to interrupt no 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 of course not I uh, I turn to him and give him a, a big pleasant smile I don't believe you're interrupting at all we're just making sure that the Lord takes this wonderful urchin home you understand just just a but, but one final moment if you would uh, of course father of course of course I, I I need to take the body though but yes so I'm gonna spin into a um, a, slur- a, a very short service verbally for the um, the invisible audience that is here. That's what I'm going to, going to really wind up. Basically, it's, uh, it's it's one man with his cap in his hand standing by his horse and uh, a, a couple of police officers kind of looking at you and looking at each other, clearly wishing you would get on with it. Yep, and like a good Catholic priest, I am going to make them wait. <laughs> All right, okay. While you are making them wait, Martin and Nicola, are you, um, are you staying with uh, Father Sorensen or are you going to uh, follow Sven? I will let Nicol handle whatever's going on with Father Sorensen in the body. I will head towards where Sven was going because you can't always trust the words of a terrified child and I imagine that this child is soon to be very terrified. Um, so perhaps if I can smooth things over there, we can get better information. Okie doke. What about Nicola? Are you going to stay with them? Um, uh, oh, I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm looking at these footsteps and I'm worried about them disappearing in the, in the normal day to day. And I feel like I would want to slip away and start following them. I catch. I try to catch the father's eye. I try to catch Marta's eye if it's possible or if she's already gone, she's gone, but um, to sort of indicate. And then I'm going to 
start moving along and, and trying to figure out. I'm hoping they might give me a, maybe this is where uh, Milena lives or works or someone who knows her would be. So I'm on the hunt too, a different type. Sure. Yeah, you can absolutely uh, start following the trail. As you do so, this officer kind of steps out to intercept you for a moment. He says, I'm watching you, Doppler. You put a foot wrong. You hear me? I hear you loud and clear. Is this the same one? Is this my mm-hmm. my friend? I hear you loud and clear, Gustav. And I know that you don't like me and we don't have to go in the relationship. Watch. You'll understand if you take a close look. That body is not natural. Watch it if you can. Be careful. Yeah. The old talk, Doppler. I know the truth. It's just a matter of time. You better watch your back. You know what you think you know. Yeah, I know what I know. And he kind of, he lets you go just with a kind of threatening gesture. He doesn't lay a hand on you. I have to solve that problem at some point. If my fellow society mates have moved on, or seemingly moved on, I will um, give a very graceful final line and uh, step back. Okay, yeah, as as you do so, the... uh the driver moves over and uh, enlists the help of one of the other officers and they pick up the body not quite as respectfully from the officer's point of view as you would necessarily hope or expect and they place it on the wagon and then the wagon is uh, driven further down the street back into the square still a bit of a crowd around but they've started to disperse now uh, and it's it's taken off Uh, you know that it'll be It'll be taken off to um, the the morgue for uh, for an autopsy, probably a fairly perfunctory one, and then the chances are it will be buried in a pauper's grave and forgotten. But back in the uh, disused building, Marta, you come into the building and you can see that Sven is um, slowly and carefully making his way up a, a staircase um, towards the the rear of the room. I'll kind of hurry up behind Sven. Yeah, you can catch him up. And Sven, as, as you make your way up up the steps uh, onto the next level, you can see that um, there are, in fact, three children of maybe 10, 11, something like that, if that, that are uh, huddled in the corner of this of this building. Their clothes are a little more than rags, really. They're, they're filthy. They're uh, clearly underfed. And... Uh, they're, they kind of watch you with uh, beady eyes as you approach. And look like they're about to make a bolt for it. So the thing to understand about Sven is he has not got a, a gentle manner. So he's just going to be like, now, now, do not run. There's nothing to be afraid of. Would you like to make me a manipulation role to try and uh, convince these children that it's in their best interest not to run away from your scowling face? I would love to. One success. Well, um, congratulations. So uh, one one of them um, starts taking to, to um, his heels uh, and one of the other ones, a little girl, just kind of grabs grabs him and, and pulls him back in a, in a uh, sort of a gesture of self-preservation, you think, more than more than anything else. And the other one says, what do you want, mister? We've done nothing wrong. We're allowed to be here. Oh, no, of course you haven't. Uh, my my friend won't hurt you. He just wants, well, we just want information. Don't know nothing about nothing. Well, we know that there's been some dead bodies popping up here, and you might know something about that. 
Don't know nothing about no dead bodies, miss. I take out a kroner. <laughs> wow. Their eyes light up. <laughs> and I just, like, put it down and slide it across. Very tentatively, a, a little hand reaches towards it and then quickly grabs it and it disappears, never to be seen again by your eyes. Maybe. I, uh, yeah, no. Sven's going to, like, relax back. Like, he's been kind of leaning forward to them. And now that we've kind of established terms and the kids aren't making a run for it, he's going to lean back a little bit. Just, you know, give him a bit of space to breathe. M- might might have seen something, maybe. Tell him, Lars, tell him. Uh, what do you want to know? The lady in the in the alley. Did you see anything? Yeah, we, we, we seen her. Yeah, seen her last night. I'm a Thursday's child. Do you know what that means? You're born on a Thursday? He actually lets out like this rumbling deep laugh and it's just like, well, there is that. Yes. Uh, no, I see Vason. What? I see Vason. Bart is just shaking her head. What's that mean? How bad is these kids Swedish? <laughs> it's not great, actually. They do speak Swedish, but, you know, there's the, they've definitely got a bit of an accent. You know, you reckon that, uh, that Swedish is probably not their only language, maybe not their first language, but, you know. They, they, they can clearly understand you. You say monsters. I see things that aren't people. They're not always monsters. You're weird. He is weird. He just like a little tilt the head like, you're not wrong, but I mean, you shouldn't say it. Is there, is there a monster here? No, no, no. But you tell me what you saw. We saw the lady. She's a blue for lady she was. She, we saw her come down the, the, the alleyway and... She was. She looked like she had been at the at the tavern. You know the way the men come out sometimes, and they're all wobbly and they fall down. They're drunk. It's because they've been drinking. Yeah, yeah. What that? Whatever. Um. Anyway, she was walking like that. She was wobbling about, and and she kept looking back over her shoulder. Um. And uh, and and then as if like there was somebody following her, but there was nobody there, and there was no, nobody following her. And then uh, and then and and then there was uh. There was a noise, and uh, I, 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 I think she thought she saw me, so so I hid uh, in, in case. And, and then when 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 I when I come back out, I, I saw she was lying on the ground like she was sleeping. And uh, and then and then there was this man, and then I saw this this man, and he come he come running up, and uh, and and uh, and he, he he came over to her, and and he had a look at her, and then he ran away again. Big 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 fella he was. He didn't come up close. He just come. He just come up the end of the alley there. He didn't come right up close. He just come up and he and he had a look and then he ran away. Did you do you know this man? His name? Have you seen him around before? I didn't. I, I never see. I don't know who who he is. He's just a big fella. I couldn't really see. It was dark. Tell him about the alley. Tell him about it. Oh, that was just that didn't happen. Just, no, but it did. How you saw it? Tell him. So I don't. No, I didn't see nothing. I didn't see nothing. Tell, tell him. I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell him. I'll tell him. All right, all right, all right. All right. Man. But there was another man as, as well. I think it was a man anyway. And he come out of nowhere and he just went poof. And he was there, he was. And then and then he gave her a cuddle. And then and then poof, he went away again. And then she fell. That's when she fell down. He gave her a cuddle. Yeah. I, I, I was... I, 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 I was... I, I didn't think it was real because I thought it was just my imagination. But... It, I don't know. Was that? Was it real? Was this? What do you call it? Faison. 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 Was it? Was that? What is there? Can they? Can they go poof invisible? Not a lot of them. Some of them. 
And that's what we saw. And that's the truth. You got any food? Not on me. It's at home. But I do have a second kroner. I'm just going to put it down and slide it across. Oh, thank you very much, sir. You're very kind. If you ever need work, come to Castle Gilkreutz. We have fireplaces to clean. Well, Marta, sounds like stuff happened. And a man gave a woman a cuddle and disappeared. Yes, I suspect it was more than just a cuddle, but... <laughs> he kind of looks at the children, looks at Marta, looks at the children, looks at Marta. Yes, a cuddle. They've kind of almost forgotten that you exist because they've got two shiny krona to spend between them now. It's more money than they've ever seen. Well, perhaps we should go back to Nickel and Father Sorensen and share our information, see what they have found. Oh, speaking of Nickel, once you've managed to uh, get rid of this uh, rather irritating police officer, you um, you follow the trail of uh, the footsteps. Um, there's a lot of other uh, footsteps around here on the street now, um, and uh, it's quite difficult to uh, to make out this individual set of footprints. Um, but you can follow it, weaving its way. doesn't seem to be walking in a particularly straight line. It seems to be a little bit erratic um, as it goes down the street through the uh, through the mud. And it you follow it towards where these uh, semi-constructed buildings are. It goes through them through to where there's uh, some tents and it goes carries on through and you're walking right right through them now right through the outskirts of the city up ahead um just a little bit beyond where the tents are uh, there are some trees and there's uh, there's actually forest further on um outside the city and the the footsteps the, uh, the footprints they they lead through the tents and out into the trees and they head in between the trees so these, this path goes all the way out the alley through the tent city and it seems to go into the forest outs on the outskirts of town? Yeah, and uh, it's around here that y- you kind of lose them, but it looks like she was in the woods. It's not particularly thick here. It's, uh, it gets a lot thicker further out, but, you know, there's um, there's several trees and it, you know, the woods get thicker and thicker as you go. But it looks like she came out of there, uh, walked through the uh, the camps, um, and walked into town down that street, down the alley, looking at the the footprints. It um, seems to be that um, she was walking fairly quickly. I'm going to take out a handkerchief and tear a strip, and then wrap it around a likely, maybe a sapling or a tree or something close by, so that we can, I can identify this spot. Looking around, are there any people? These tents or whatever? Is there any? general population milling about in any way yeah there's some people there's some people around yeah just um some old young men women um maybe one of them's making some tea or something in a pot and fire i look longingly into this dark scary forest for a second and think about all the tales that i've been told as a child and i turn away and i look towards uh, some of the folks and i just start calling out Oi, hey, um, so, does anyone know uh, uh, a Melanie or a Melania or a Malena? Oh, it's you, 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 in, have you, do you know a Malena? Does she live here? And- yeah, there's a, there's a woman there who's, she seems to be brewing some, some tea on a pot on a little fire. She kind of looks up and says, who? Malena, Malena, sort of describe a little bit based on what I saw in the alley. Make me a manipulation test if you would. Uh, in fact, before you do that, before you do that, let's have a learning test because it's clear that she's 
got a very thick accent and she um, she's having trouble understanding what you're saying. I did get one success on learning. So she she kind of nods. Milena, hair, black. Yes, yes. Long. It's very pretty. Hmm. Young. Hmm. Pretty, Milena. Oh, oh. I think Milena Yertsak. Yertsak. Young. Yes, young. Uh, she. Uh, mm. So, needle. Hmm? Seamstress. Okay. Yeah. Does she? Does she work? Uh, she work in a factory then. A fact- uh, she work in a, a tailor. Ah, factory. Yes. Does she live around here? Do you know, Mum? If she lives around here at all. Oh, uh, yes. Um, uh, and she kind of points. Uh, uh, near ch- church. Hmm. I church. Family. Hmm. Anchor. Uh, making sure my point in the forest is marked. I'll look around, see if anyone has followed by chance. The father has. But if not, I walk off. Doesn't look like it. No, yeah. It just looks like it's just you. You've kind of gone maybe five, ten minutes out. And then considering and weighing the uh, alternatives, choosing a, a good or a bad choice, I carry on alone in the direction of Milena's house that the old lady has just told me. All right, so um, you can make your way through the uh, the camp, through the through the tents and the uh, little shacks that are constructed from any kind of bits of bits of timber and uh, whatever people can find to make some sort of uh, shelter and protection for themselves with. And you can make your way round, and you can see um, up ahead of you. This is uh, kind of further uh, further to the, the 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 sort of southeast. You're getting a little bit away from the square now. Um, you can see there's a church building, and beside it there's a fairly large, uh, sort of hastily constructed, what looks like meeting place of some kind. There's a, a few people sort of hovering around it. And again, as I say, there's, there's, there's more of these tents. Now, when when this old woman says she um, she lives there, it doesn't seem to you that there's a house there that she lives in, so you think maybe maybe she lives in one of these tents or something like this. But I'll go back to the others just for a moment. The father has uh, seen the uh, the horse and cart take the body off, and I think um, Marta and Sven, have you come down out of the building and back into the alleyway again now, heading back to join the father? Yes. Why don't you all, if you would be so kind, make me an observation test as you kind of rejoin and uh, um, you know kind of gather in the um, in the street and you can still see there's there's a, a lot of the the businesses are opening up now. There's all sorts of different um, shops around the the uh, um, the square and there's people milling around. One success for Marta and one success for Sven. Yeah, just one success for the father. Fantastic. Everybody gets one success. So, um, so yeah, you um, you catch the scent of freshly baked bread in the air. Clearly, the uh, the bakery is uh, is open for business now, and there seems to be quite a number of people um, uh, heading over towards the uh, the kind of the southwest of the square and uh, kind of nudging each each other and uh, saying, "Oh, oh, uh, uh, Peterson has got fresh bread." fantastic uh, I've been looking forward to this this morning and uh, there seems to be quite a lot of uh, uh, enthusiasm at the smell of this this beautiful smell of uh, of bread being being baked um, fresh in the morning uh, through the air and uh, 
all the um, the strife and the conflict and that seems to have gone away now. The, the horse and cart has left the square. The police have left the square. Everybody's just sort of going about their business. Um, but there are uh, a number of people now heading heading through the square towards uh, towards where this smell is coming from. And I think that is probably quite a good time to um, bring this particular part of the mystery to a close. Thank you everyone for listening and I hope you'll be able to join us again next time for The Friend, The Fiend and The Shadow of the Night, a Vason Mystery. <laughs>